The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour. Health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. The power of water. The Global Water Life Science Show. Worldwide, we are in a water crisis, and that's why we have a show that I started nine years ago for the world to come and listen and to find a fascination with the guests that we have from all over the world. We've been in China. We've been in Holland. We've been in Kenya. We've been in Canada, all over the United States of America. I'm talking to you from Grants Pass, Oregon, in Southern Oregon, in the United States of America. I want you to know that as we grow and develop this message, this mission, the world will be eventually listening from all walks of life, all youth, and understand that without the water, there would be no planet. Billions of years ago, the water vapor was in the atmosphere. Now, I'm going to teach you the difference between environment and atmosphere. The atmosphere is the water vapor that snuggles in that air like a swimming pool, but you don't see it. That water in the vapor is what keeps you alive first. It's what brought life to earth. Now, I'm going to take you on a path. The earth had circled all around earth, and you can look up this. Always look up to learn your references to what I say. For billions of years, the water vapor in the atmosphere was surrounding the whole planet Earth for billions of years before life began on the planet Earth. The sun came around the Earth and began to, in time, change a temperature. Between the moon and the sun... And the solar system, something changed with the temperature where the droplet started out of the vapor and began to drop called rain. And always remember all these words I'm saying, we invented those descriptions of words. Those are inventions, the description of the word of what we call it. So when the rain came pouring down as time passed, soil began. Life is in soil. A recycling began, and we are now learning the word recycle. You want to, the recycling of water 
from the atmosphere to the life on Earth began to work with each other. What the soil began to recycle to the atmosphere and the atmosphere, the water vapor in the atmosphere, that's the atmosphere, began to recycle with the soil. And then came later on in time all kinds of life, but then came human life. What is human life? Depending upon all life existence, the recycling of your body that is water and the atmosphere is what keeps you alive primary. That's your primary life. Your number one. The water vapor in the atmosphere is living with you and your body. Your body is water. All those organs that you have from the skin, all through the body, there was a reason that you began that recycling. You came from your mother's womb of water. You began to live in the water vapor in the atmosphere. That's your primary life. But something very fascinating with recycling. There is an evaporation process going on. A new drought name, drought. Well, let's just call it evaporation of water loss. Dry means evaporation of water loss. Your body is evaporating from the moment you came to birth, from birth to death. Water evaporation. What is happening? There are no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, DNA, and we could go on and on. You're different. Each person has a difference. Evaporation is your difference. At the moment the baby is born, the skin is no longer covered by the water from the baby in the mother's womb. It's living with the recycling of the water in the atmosphere. The eyelid opens. The eye at the surface of the eye is your electrolytic rod to be able to electrolytically live with the water vapor and the atmosphere like a magnet. It draws out of the air like a magnet, like a battery charges with only atmosphere, water vapor. If you didn't have water vapor in the atmosphere, there'd be no plane that could fly. You'd have no power. You'd have no battery charging. We live that way too. I'm stressing to you to think about it logically, common sense. So as we're living in the atmosphere and that eyelid opened, pulling moisture out of the air to the eyes that are not covered by the skin all day, but in the brain, nature did something else so fascinating with all those organs. The brain had the eyes and the nature of our body The brain and the eyes connect and begin at the same moment to develop. The brain is 80% to 85% water. Connected to the eyes, the surface of the eye is 99% water. So it can electrolytically live with that atmosphere and charge and have a healthy eyesight. If it doesn't maintain 99% water, you're going to have vision impairment. 
The skin is depleting. Skin cancer is out of control, as I predicted many 30 years ago, because we are having to live with the stress of our lives that is not getting enough as individuals the water vapor from the atmosphere to recycle our bodies. Now, what are the five things that are vital for your health? Number one, breathing that moisture in the atmosphere. You've heard about Tai Chi. You've heard about yoga. You've heard about Qigong. You've heard about a lot of these different techniques and artists thousands of years ago. They learned how to breathe, and that's what those arts are, breathing exercises too. To learn to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth, then you're breathing in the atmosphere and you're letting out your own atmosphere in your body, moisture level. Let the toxin come out of your body. Learn how to breathe. Number two, learn how to drink water. Water is vital. Nothing lives without it. You must drink at least eight glasses a day. If you're not feeling well, you're under stress, you're exhausted, any symptoms, drink another glass. But don't just sip it. It needs to absorb, like earth absorbs. The water vapor absorb needs a constant recycling to absorb itself. It works with other water vapor. You need to drink one full glass at a time to be serious to absorb. I don't think you'd water your garden, your favorite plant in your house by trickling. It needs to absorb unless the trickling is constantly trickling to absorb nonstop. Drink your glass of water with a full glass at a time. Number three is you need to learn how to eat the proper food, and we're going to talk about that today. There's a new book out there from the China Diet called Whole, and what a science it is with eating. We're learning. There's a couple of things our our forefathers did that I disagree with. They, They were masterful at many things to get us where we're at. Masterful for thousands of years. But they invented a frying pan and they invented smoking. Smoking is a killer because you are learning now that when there's smoke in the air, it contaminates the water vapor. The water vapor gets too polluted, it's too heavy, and it cannot recycle itself and it cannot recycle more water to come to the planet, causing a planet climate change. And guess what happens to the human life, all life on the planet? It can't recycle. It doesn't get enough water. Diet is vital. Study that. We're going to be discussing that with our special guest today. Moderate exercise, but be careful. Those of you that are in athletics, be careful about over-extreme. It'll cause you stress out of your life. Evaporation will go out of control. You've got to be wise with how you exercise. So learn, if you're going to be excessive, how to balance that out with Tai Chi, let's just say, with another part of your exercise. The other one is sleep. We need to do like the planet does, sleep with the solar system. It is vital. You need to learn how to sleep. There's a science behind it. Enjoy science. 
and technology. It's gotten us a long ways. Go back and study. Now, there's things about water, because we're in a water crisis on the planet. Something fell through the cracks. And I've approached the United Nations with a, we're going to be forming a new committee about this. We need to study the atmospheric water vapor with the recycling of the water that's fresh water on the surface of the planet and what is happening to the evaporation of human life and the planet and the evaporation of what's happening with our fresh water and the evaporation of the water vapor. That must be studied. Once we get a good study going with that, we'll get a handle on it, all of us together. It'll take all of us together so that we can have the planet be here for eternity, nonstop, and be a healthier planet. There's things to study example. I have Bonnie, Mark, my secretary, look up these subjects, and sometimes I'll forget to tell you. Search for, on Facebook, the I Care About Water page. It's fascinating. Uh, You'll run into certain subjects that are really fascinating. There's one here, are we irrigating in places with too much water? The other one is, this desalination plants are not a good idea, a solution for California drought. Maybe it's because it's very expensive. How is Israel teaching California about desalination and drought? The other one is on Facebook, I care about page. Peru's mega dam projects threatened Amazon River source and ecosystem collapse possibilities. Now, these are all theories. And and outspoken people that are studying. You can go in and study too. But we need you to know that in your body, your teeth are 8 to 10% water. People forget the bones, 20 to 25% water. The kidneys that are your filter system and your lungs, mostly water. Study. In our planet, for example, we had babies born today, 124,168 babies born already this year, 46,958,335 babies. Those are our little spring, springs, upcoming new, new life. On the planet, we have 7,312,655,000 520 people living here that need water. The irrigation needs water. Everything needs water to survive, for you to have food to survive. Uh Aha. What a magic, this show. And the guests we bring on are dedicated and committed to the show. Now, about three weeks ago, we had a Dr. Gerald Pollack from University of Washington bioengineering specialist studying water and found the fourth water, fourth phase of water, studies the body internally. Then we brought in Dr. Dwayne Cecil, who's a scientist from NASA, climatologist scientist, atmospheric scientist, water scientist, and they got to meet with each other with me the first time. What a show. But we had a, a technical thing happen where Dr. Cecil's voice was not coming across the receiver the way we all thought. So we're going to redo that show because I want you to start listening to the future of scientists and masterful people 
talking with their backgrounds on what they think with each other of what we all need to learn. And if you have any suggestions in time, we want to hear of more, th- more subjects that you'd like to hear about and bring scientists on. Today, we have a very exciting guest, Kim Peza, and I might be spell- saying that wrong. We'll hear from her. She's an author, artist, and food, and her background is years of studying about how to be a small space farmer and a food gardener. And the topics are going to be, I just love her book. Uh, her, her covers of her books could be bought as gifts for people who don't even garden. She is amazingly an artist, but smart about learning about our diets. We'll listen to our sponsor first. Biologic Aqua Research, which I am the founder of, has been studying for many, many years water and the evaporation of the human body and the planet Earth. There's a product that we created with the request of ophthalmology research to supplement the atmosphere's water vapor because the eyes are dehydrating, evaporating too quickly. Have you ever noticed that more children, toddlers, are wearing glasses than ever in history? Their eyes are dry. The eyes are evaporating way too quickly. There is a product now that everyone can use, even missed a brand new baby with moisture in the air with, with common sense. Nature's tears I missed with tissue culture grade water, the trade secret. We'll listen to our sponsor to supplement the eyes every day. I always use it when I don't need it because I know my eyes need that thirst quenching, that nutrition diet of water. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, with Just a Mist, and we'll be right back with Kim Pazia. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Kim, are you with us? Yeah. I apologize. My commentary was a little longer than normal, but I had a lot to say. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Uh, how do we pronounce your last name? Peza. Peza. Yes. Okay. Kim, you are amazing. Um, I was reading about you before I came on, 
and uh, I, I need the audience to know that my program producer, Polly Featherton, gets my programs for me mostly, and she found you, and you are amazing uh, about your approach to this is so exciting. I love the cover of your books. Oh, thank I you. I think everybody should be buying them for gifts, for whatever event, a birthday or a special gift or a holiday, uh, Christmas or whatever. Your artistic approach is exciting. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the um, the publishers, they, they really picked up on the, you know, the styles and things that I like. And... Um, so oh, it's a great yeah, coffee I've been table very happy. book too, right? Pardon? It's a wonderful coffee table book. Yes. There's a yeah. you know there's things when people maybe don't want a garden, but they somebody says you know I think they love to eat, eat and they eat they're diet conscious, and they're going to look at this and find this a fun book to present to have in place. Before we go on, tell me about you, Kim. How did well, you get where you're at? I started. Actually, um, before I got into the small space, I actually started, I was just kind of homesteading myself, by myself. I had goats, and I raised pigs, and chickens, and geese, (laughs) and I had my gardens and all that, and I did the farmer's markets with my herbs and like Mm -hmm. that. And then uh, a few years ago, um, I ended up, I was helping a friend out with their farm, and... (laughs) I ended up having a slight farm accident that left me laid up for five months mm-hmm. where I shattered my ankle. Oh. And so I really couldn't deal with the animals too much anymore, um, mm-hmm. except for the goats and maybe a few birds. And um, the when spring rolled around, I could not get and work to the garden. Um, because I still really hadn't healed, and I still to this day have a lot of problems, you know, can have a lot of problems getting around. And it was kind of driving me nuts as to not being able to get back and do the garden, because when I used to live up in New York, the seasons were short, you know, short as it is. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I just decided to start planting around the house Mm -hmm. in amongst, the plants and like that that were already, you know, landscaping around the house. Uh-huh. And um, I found uh-huh. that I did that for a couple years, and I found that even when I had, like, my really bad days getting around, I could still handle that. Mm-hmm. So I just started focusing on the um, small space gardening. Yeah. And just and so attractive. What you did is so attractively fun. Um I, I really have to tell you, uh, when I opened up all the paperwork and I'm going, oh, oh, <laughs> it is so, I'm, I'm into, uh, we live in southern Oregon on the Rogue River and, uh, and it, uh, we have a lawns that just slope into what's called a cavern not far from town. We're in a very unique, mm-hmm. famous spot here. And um, I love the landscaping to look natural. I like, I don't want it to look like a cookie cutter. Right. And so when I was looking at your garden, I thought, my gosh, everybody should eat. I don't care what kind of garden they have. They should have it attached to their garden. This, uh, this yeah. approach to 
the artistic side of nature's uh, theme to have another approach to the gardening also. I really like what you did. Well, yeah, thank you. And, you know, what's, what's really a lot of fun, you know... Um, or what Jack, you're doing, I should say. I'm, right now, I'm in southwest Florida, and I'm kind of parked my plants and stuff at my, my parents' house. And I'm starting, you know, starting um, different things in, in their gardens right now, um, which is also small space gardens. And um, now to our listeners, and remember radio, people are not just sitting still listening to it. They're moving around and whatever. And, of course, Apple iTunes, they got it in their ear and they might be jogging mm-hmm. or whatever. But describe your garden to the audience that are listening. Well, the garden that I'm working at right now, um, I kind of um, captured my parents' garden right now. Um, we have um, coconuts. We have, and this is all in a very you know small area um, on the the you call it the lanai area, the, the patio area outside. Um, we have a couple of coconut trees. And in, we've got a um, garden that runs along the lanai that's probably about um, maybe 30 foot long, but it's only maybe three and a half feet wide. Mm-hmm. And in there we have um, kale, rosemary, um, various herbs and pots. Um, in pots. I'm going to try to pot. help you out there. Now you're... Uh, audience, I want you to understand that she's doing this very um, with a lots of skills of of uh, of different ways she did her um, what do you call what you do with the the, the 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 framing the framing of the way you do that you frame it and tell, describe the framing to them how you frame each thing you do with wood well, that's Actually, the um, now the one raised bed that I'm working in right now raised beds that is um, okay. usually they're done with um, oh I want to say wooden frames okay with and one now? something with a wooden usually they're done with either a wooden frame okay or they can be done with um, cinder block. Um, you know, anything that you can, you know, mm-hmm. that you can build a box, you know, on the ground. Um, I usually would tell people when I, you know, when people are, are doing their their um, raised beds, if they are using a frame, I usually tell them to sink, sink it down a little bit, sink the frame down into the ground a little bit, because mm-hmm. if you have, like we have here, little critters that like to dig underneath, Oh, um, okay. If you um, sink it down, maybe if you can do a foot, that's great. If not, you know, you do as deep as you can because that will mm-hmm. kind of prevent the animals, whatever you might have digging. We tend to sometimes have an armadillo problem here. Okay. Um, and they like to dig. And sinking that will not allow them to go underneath the um, frame that you built, mm-hmm. it'll be like a wall. If you if you sink the frame, stay like if you want. Now I noticed you used high, and the pictures I noticed you were using like a metal framing. 
on the side you of some of those raised use, beds. You can use metal frames. Now, those aren't all pictures of my vessels. Um, some of those, you know, some of those pictures are um, of other gardens that might have methods that I'm not, you know, that I'm not using at the, okay. at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can use um, anything to to build your your box. I, like I said, I just recommend people to kind of sink the box for the raised bed a little. So if you're building, you want a raised bed that goes three foot high build it four foot and sink that fourth foot down mm-hmm. into the ground. Mm-hmm. You'll still have three feet above the ground, but you'll have a foot below the ground that will act like your barrier in case any animals want to dig. They can't dig under the frame and get in. Mm-hmm. Um, Good thinking. No. Mm-hmm. The raised beds that I work with here right now are brick. Okay. And they're bricked around the house. Um, and they're about three and a half feet wide. Now, are you thinking cinder block br- blocks or brick? The, the ones here are are brick, actual okay. brick. Now you right. can right. also, and I've done it. You can use um, cinder blocks, and you know you can you just build that like like you would a, a little like brick wall or a brick box. Use mm-hmm. a cinder block in the same way. Okay. The thing with the cinder block is when you get to the, the, the top, um, your, your top row of blocks where you're ending, uh-huh. make sure that you have the holes of the cinder blocks facing up because then you can plant some things into the holes of the cinder blocks as well as the interior um, planting area that you've created. Okay. Mm-hmm. And keeping in mind at all times the critters. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and even with the cinder block, if you can, you know, if you can right. think it. Now, it's not going to totally stop them. I mean, you're going to have some that are going to, you know, climb right over. But a, the ones that are diggers, mm-hmm. it will pretty much curtail, you know, curtail them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you're that, planting this very attractive, natural setting, a decor, decor, I'll call it a decorating, decorator's garden for mm-hmm. what you need, for what you want to grow and what you're going to be eating and what, giving away gifts or whatever. But when you start planting uh, those kind of gardens, do you have a different outlook on the climate? Can you, uh, is there an approach that can be different or is it the same? Um. A little bit different approach um, for one of the things is now when I was up north, I was, um, in fact, we still have a family farm up there. Um, I was about six six or seven miles from Lake Ontario. So uh-huh. we got winners. Right. Um, so we had to deal with um, late frost, early frost, um, you know, you really couldn't put things in until maybe May, end of May. Um, and you had, you know, June, July, August, September, October, if you were lucky, mm-hmm. you know, to have things grow. Mm-hmm. Down here, um, when you get this far south and further, I'm I'm working right now to set up um, uh, farms, urban farms set up down in the Keys. 
but when you get like this far, this far south and further, you're kind of looking at a, a switch for your growing. Um, while I would be up there growing like June, July, August, September, October, having to have basically everything in by June, everything that I wanted to put in had to be in if in the first couple weeks of June if I wanted everything to work right. Mm-hmm. Here, um, we can get to June, July. And we're here is you're much. in Florida. You're in, in Florida. Yeah, I'm in Florida. I'm in Southwest Florida. And then the other one you were describing, New York. Right. And that you say up, up there, you mean New York, and here you mean Florida. Okay. Yeah. Here and then in Florida, in, in, in Florida when, excuse me for interrupting real quickly, Kim. Sure. In Florida, is there a difference throughout Florida that people would be planting too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because now here, I'm in, in the uh, Punta Gorda area. Okay. And um, we might... If it's a bad year, we might get a frost where we have to run out and cover the fig trees. And because I have fig trees in pots, we have cactus, I have allspice tree in pots. Uh, we have, you know, a lot of stuff around. Um, we might have to run out and cover the things. Um, that might, that happened, I think, once or twice this year. Mm-hmm. The further north you go, the more risk that you have for frost. When you get up towards, like, Jacksonville area, I mean, it's not unusual for them to get snow flurries. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the, for, for the temperatures to really drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as you progress from North Florida to Southern Florida, you will have um, some differences in in your, your growing. Temperature. Not necessarily... Um, huge differences, not like between Florida and New York, you know, differences. But there's going to be some things that you will have to watch for in northern Florida that you don't have to watch for in central Florida, things you might have to watch for in central Florida that you don't have to worry about in southern Florida. Now, Kim, have you noticed when you're doing this type of framing of your garden, and, and uh, how deep is the soil in each of those frames? Are they all the same, or do you do them different depending upon it's what the, you're planting? The depth of the, basically, the depth of the soil um, depends on, really, on how deep you want it. Um, if you're so have nothing to do you know, with building frames, okay. you know, frames for like okay. a raised bed, um, okay. You can basically build, if you're building the frame yourself, you mm-hmm. can basically build the frame for it to hold as much or as what little would be soil the shallowest, as you want. What would be the shallowest level of soil that you would have in the frame? Let's say a person doesn't want it um, too deep, but they'd like to know the, how, how, what would be the smallest amount that you would recommend? I would say... Um, and thinking, I would say at least a, at least a foot. A foot. Um, okay. Because now that's you know if your if your frame doesn't have a bottom, most frames when you're doing raised beds don't have bottoms to them. Mm-hmm. So what that means is if you've got something where the roots are going to be excuse me going to be longer than that that 
foot, foot and a half of soil that you have, mm-hmm. they can still reach down and go into the ground itself. Can you possibly, something was coming through my mind as you were talking there, if a person's building from scratch their framing mm-hmm. of their garden, uh, of these different levels and sh- looking attractive. Can you put, before you put the soil in there, a, a, like a screen, um, a wire screen in there so that the critters can't come up through that screen? Yeah, you could. Um, okay. You'd have to, um, then I, then what I would do if you're going to, if you're going to do something like that, make sure first that it's something that's going to last for quite some time because mm-hmm. um, you don't want a, a metal screen going to rot. A metal screening. I don't mean that. Uh, I don't mean that uh, uh, black paper that plants can't you mean come even through. Like but a, I meant like, like a, a screen or something that you can put down. Yeah. 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 You can do that. Okay. Yeah, but it's the same thing with the fencing. You want to make sure you have something good that's going to stand up to all the dirt and water that's going to be on it. Then how long does the soil usually last in those framings uh, that you've planted? Is it? it depends. I usually now, the raised bed that I do have up north, um, I usually add some soil to that. Um, usually every year to every other year. You add it, soil to it. You I don't add soil replace to it. it. Yeah. You just add to. Um, I will usually, unless the soil looks really bad, um, uh-huh. if there's something that I didn't like, okay. or maybe there was a plant in there that, um, okay. like like the tomato rot that was going around, um, okay. if I thought that there was something in the soil that... Now, when you say you're using soil to add to it each year, what kind of soil do you use? Do you buy it in those big bags? Usually um, for um, for that right now, I do um, purchase a garden soil. Only because right now... And um, what is your favorite? Um, there was one that I really liked, and I can't totally remember. It was called Jungle... And I haven't been able to find it again. Um... It was called Jungle... jungle but what, is the, what is the reasoning you liked it, though? Was there some particular way it um, was... Uh, there, it, there wasn't any chemicals or anything in it. You know, there was no, nothing extra. It was just nice, really nice-looking fine um, soil. Not so coarse. Not so coarse. Yeah. and um, More like a, a, a very fertile-looking... Yeah, and okay. usually when I used it in the, you know, like in, in containers and like that, I usually mm-hmm. had pretty good luck with it. Okay. Um, you can mix your own. Uh, right now, I don't have the space to store the extra soils so that I can mix my own. But right. if somebody does have the, the space to do it, um, you can mix your own soil. You can be very flexible depending upon your space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hope to eventually, you know, once I get set up further south, I want to get, you know, set up to be able to do that again. Right now where I am, I'm very limited in space. So just now how many of, of these frames do you have in a very limited space? How many, how many what? How many frame gardens do you have? And do you connect um, them all together or are they spaced 
between each other, your garden frame? There are, actually the frame that we have right now, um, the raised beds, go across the back and then they go partway up either side of the house. So it's kind of like, in, in our case, it's kind of like, this one is kind of like one big raised bed that mm-hmm. goes like horseshoe shape around the okay. house. Okay. Then we have another raised bed um, that's more towards the front. Mm-hmm. And that one you have to kind of watch a little bit because it does tend to get um, full direct sun. Um, so I've had to play around a little bit with that one to see what plants. So did you start you know, using some um, decorator umbrellas to protect those that are in too much sun? Um, I think in that spot we there's going to have to be something there because at this point, um, unless you put the plumeria over there, which mm-hmm. I just found out the other day, the blossoms on that are edible. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we might put the plumeria over there. Otherwise, that spot has proven to be a little bit hot, especially in mm-hmm. the summertime, mm-hmm. for um, to do too much with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if the plumeria doesn't go over there, which can tolerate all the direct sun and, and like that, then mm-hmm. I am looking at putting... We were actually also thinking about um, putting the dragon fruit over there, which can also... Okay, now what are you planting? What are you finding that grows well in the framework of your small space garden? Um, Well, for this area, we've got, um, of course, we've got coconut. They're right right in the ground. Um, In the raised bed area, we have um, kale, tomatoes. Um, pineapples, um, eggplant, okra, um, variety of peppers. Um, I'm trying a block of corn. I got these seeds from a farm show. And so I'm how do you do corn? Talk. How do you do corn like that? Well, in, when you have so a do you, do you, Excuse me for interrupting. Do you have one of your raised beds that's primarily just corn. Is that the way you do it? Right now, no, because right now I'm just trying this corn out. I didn't, I didn't want to take up a whole, uh-huh. um, a whole area if the corn ended up not working out for this climate. It was, a, uh-huh. it was a corn that I got up north, and so I'm just kind of trying to see how it now, works. Now, what kind of year, what, when do you plant the corn? Do you plant the corn when you planted everything else? Or does that come later? Um, I planted the corn probably three, three or four weeks ago, and I did it in a. And I you did it first. You planted it first. Yeah, I started the seeds in a pot first. Okay. And how and, many? And when that corn comes on, how long does it take? I'm going someplace with this, and I'll tell you oh, when I get right. there. Um, uh, this is what uh, when you plant out. the corn, how long does it take for that corn to start coming up? Well, the corn actually, when in the pot, the corn actually started coming up within a couple days. Okay, and how tall will that corn be for how long? That that's when I'm trying to find out with 
planting that small patch. Um, exactly oh, how so you long it's going before. to take. Okay. I have not done this this one before. This is this is a first. I've done the corn up north, but down here, um, it was this is a, a, a first that I'm trying. That's why I only took. I'm only doing a little block of corn. Okay. How long did it take it up up in New York? How long did it take for that corn to grow? And how tall um, did it get? And you, you did this. You did, in you did this of, in one of these framed small gardens. When I did the corn up there, I actually planted it. It was in a small space, but I planted it directly into the ground. I didn't do oh. um, a raised oh. bed. It was still a small space, okay. Okay. but it wasn't a raised bed. Okay. Um, and I think I finally harvested. I planted in June, end of May, I think. And I think I finally harvested around. Maybe September. You know what um, I was just thinking, Kim? Um, a person that was having a, an area where they had to shelter their garden from extreme sun because they didn't have a choice of where to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to how to do it. They could plant corn, and the corn could shelter the area. Yeah, from um, that would actually be something like the Three Sisters. I don't know if you ever heard of the Three Sisters. Um, that was a big thing, up, um, of course, coming up from Finger Lakes area. Um, you know, Three Sisters was a big thing that we always learned about from the time I was little. Where you what is, what the is corn, that? What is the Three Sisters? The corn, beans, oh, it's three and squash. Oh, okay. And what it was, the corn was put in first. And then okay. once the corn started coming up um, a little bit, probably around a foot or so, then you put yeah. in your beans. And the corn would not only protect the beans, but it became the support for the beans to grow. Okay. And then Great from stuff. there, you, then you put your squash in, and the squash would grow ah. on, the, on the empty ground that was underneath okay. your beans and your corn. It goes back to the Native American. All right. Have you learned a lot about your gardening through studying the Native Americans way back in time? Um, I have started to to do some of that, especially now oh, it's since so I've gone more into the small space. So, um, but our history um, is so exciting about learning anything. You know, holistic oh, yeah. scientists, let's call them, and that's what they call me. But holisticness, and, like and you're doing, you go back that, in time and learn what they learned oh, yeah. before the classroom took over. And the classroom yep. is, you know, and you learn about what they learned about the nature of recycling our planet's rhythm. And, exactly. Um, yeah, you follow me? In other yep. words, they, they learn from the past going futures, and uh, can we, we can never leave that holistic side of us away. In fact, oh, no. I was listening to an interview recently to the head of the National Institute of Health Organization, NIH, and he was saying to the world, he wrote a book called The Language of God because he believes that our holistic side of our health has got to be brought back into the picture of our futures. Mm-hmm. And, of course, gardening is health because people grew something, we call it technology today, to learn how right. to be healthier. And what you're learning is so fun um, your heart is in it because I can tell by your commitment 
to it. Oh, so it what is. are your favorite and, and things? And you know, it makes it more fun down here. Yeah. What is, is your favorite when thing I to grow? It, if something doesn't work out, I don't have to wait a year to try it again like I did uh-huh. up north. I can just try it again. <laughs> now, what is your favorite thing to grow for you personally? Um, I like, I'm starting to like to get, um, try to grow some things from seed. Now, I just, um. Grow what now? I, I kind of like to try to grow from seed, anything. Seeds? From seed. Um, I've started a key lime tree from seed. Um, I started some tangerine trees from seed. Okay. Um. I like to get things that are a little unusual for the garden. Now, like, tell me. Um, okay, we're going to back fruit. up because we're almost out of time, and excuse me for interrupting, but, uh, and I have, we, we talk show hosts do that a lot because we need to hear yeah. something that maybe you hadn't heard yet or understand. When you grow something from seed, how do you do that? Do you have a special little uh, plastic greenhouse, something that you use? Um, no, I, so, well, I shouldn't say no. Sometimes, um, that's where, you know, um, sometimes I just throw things in pots like I did with the tangerine seeds and the key lime seed to see what happens. Um, Other times, that's where we talk about recycling and reusing and repurposing. That's where the little clamshells that you get lettuce and greens and and things like that in the store, that's where they come in really nice because they make really nice greenhouses to start to paint them. Mm-hmm. Um, ah. So and you call those here, you call those clamshells? Out of the clam, what they call the clamshells, the plastic clamshells that you're, you know, um, that you buy your lettuce in, or sometimes you can get cupcakes in them. The the plastic containers that that. Um, oh, oh, I see those yeah, little plastic they, things. They have a lid on it, and yeah, they're you, called clamshells. Oh, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, and oh. some of them already have holes in them. Others, you want to sure. put some holes in them, you know. Um, and then you I put say, them outside. You put them outside in a spot and regulate um, the sun there. You can, or if you're in the north. Now, I used those more when I was in the north. Down here, I tend to just put things in a, the seeds in the pot directly and put them outside. Up north, wow. because I had to start things early, that's mm-hmm. when I used that's the, a good the idea. Okay, yeah. we only have a moment left, and you're watering it because we're almost done. With you. We only have a minute left. Uh, do you have a watering cycle that is you believe that everybody should be thinking of? Um, what I do, especially with the the containers and like that, um, don't go by the top of the 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 dirt, the ground. Always stick your finger in there, stick a pencil or whatever. Um, if it if you stick your finger or stick a pencil down and a couple inches down, it's dry water. Okay. Um, now we're out of time, and I need to, people to find out how to find you on the internet. You want to tell us your address? Um. Well, let's see. You can find me on Facebook under my name, Kim Peza. Um. You can find Kim, me. K I M P E Z Z A. Z A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You can also. Find my blog um, under the New Century Home Center. New Century Home Center. Yeah, New Century, the New Century Home Center. Um, Homesteader. And then your book. How do they find your book and the name of your book? The books, 
The books are the Backyard Farming Lots series. Of books. There's eight of them so far. Um, they can be purchased on Amazon or they can be purchased through um, Hazard What's the Press? name? It would take, give us one name of one of the books because we're out of time. Um, one of the books is um, uh, Vegetable and Herb Gardening. It's what? Vegetable and Herb Gardening. Vegetable and Herb Garden to find yeah. you. Well, we're out of time, and I want to thank you so much. Thank I you. learned a lot. <laughs> I want to thank you. Thank you again. You have a wonderful season coming up, and you keep up the good work. Yes, thank you. We wish you well. Thank you, you very well. much. You have a nice day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that fun, audience? Uh, you can have, uh, she, I was noticing in her books, these framed, very artistic looking with flowers in them besides just the garden plants that makes available a very attractive small gardens in small places. Her name is Kim, K-I-M-P-E-Z-Z-A. And you can look her up on Amazon and uh, or the New Century Home Stetter um, weekly dot, weekly dot com, and you'll learn that, that it's so attractive. You could do that in a little space outside your apartment. You could do that just called small spaces. And we're learning to have a lot of fun thinking about the nature of our of our food and kind of feel like we're the living with nature, with the atmosphere. And remember, every time she talked about the temperature change or something changing, it's because the atmosphere changes in temperature because the water vapor will be evaporating depending upon season and temperature. Always remember that. Water vapor only absorbs because of temperature. Remember how your body is 98 absorbing with temperature. So as I taught you at the beginning of the commentary, is that water vapor is influencing our lives from moment to birth, from the beginning of earth time. Bring to your focus to your own health every day to live your health thinking you are evaporating. And when you're evaporating as a person too quickly, you'll have different symptoms. But if you can learn how to hydrate by drinking enough water, eating the proper foods, sleeping correctly, and breathing in through the nose, in through the, out through the mouth, bring that moisture in through the nose, into the skin. And when you're breathing out of the atmosphere and pulling that towards your body through the nose, that pulls it out of the body towards you like a magnet too. Then you let out the body's toxin vapor out of the mouth. Always learn. Drinking eight to ten glasses of water, depending upon your how you feel, but you got to get no less than eight. Learn how to sleep, how to eat correctly, and moderate exercise. And those of you who are athletes, remember: pounding the pavement every day is dehydrating, very evaporating, out of control. Learn how to be moderate. Don't overdo it, and learn how to discipline. Our focus, like planet Earth, is focusing on a discipline with rhythm harmony around the solar system. I want to thank you for living living with us. I want to thank you for being with us today. I hope you learned something. I I know we will in the future. We have a lot of great shows coming uh, worldwide, and we're going to bring some other people from other parts of the world in again. We want to thank you. You be well, and have a nice day. 
Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.